Hello, and welcome to Season 2 of Between the Lines. On this podcast, you will hear about and from lesser-known Canadian authors and writers who, for whatever reason, have remained under the radar of traditional publishers and publishing houses. You will also hear from editors, literary agents, and publishers in the hopes of giving us all a better understanding of how it all works together. If it has something to do with writing or the writing process, you are going to hear a discussion about it here. I'm your host, Randy Lacey. I'm encouraging you to grab your bevy of choice, get comfy, and get ready to go between the lines. People come into writing in several different ways. For some, it was a teacher at school handing out a writing assignment, while for others, it may have been by reading and wondering if they might be able to write. Every writer has started their writing journey on a different path. Each writer's journey will be different, yet similar. But one thing all writers have in common is a different destination. Hello and welcome to the second last episode of Between the Lines. Can you believe it? Wow! On today's episode, I will be speaking with author K.H. McMurray, who currently calls Montreal home. Hello, Ken, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hey, Randy. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here. Well, you say that now. Just wait till the end. (laughs) Um, Now, rather than me read from a piece of paper that I probably couldn't do any justice, I'm going to ask you if you'd mind taking a couple of minutes just to give a a brief biography of who uh, Ken is and what makes Ken Ken. Okay. Well, I was born and raised in the greater Vancouver area, and I've lived in Montreal for, oh, about 31 of the past 35 years. I moved here to study, but fell in love with the place. And I came out of Concordia with uh, Concordia University with a BA specialization in English literature, minors in music and English language. So when I'm not writing, I teach English as a second language to adults at their workplaces or online. But I also translate, edit, and copyright on a contractual basis. And uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, what when I'm not and when I'm not doing that, I'm working towards professional status as a genealogist and on occasional volunteer for a political or environmental cause. There's a lot of those. <laughs> yeah, fair amount, but uh, you have to pick your battles, you know. Uh, that's awesome. Is there anything else you'd like to add to that? Like, what's your favorite food? Do you like poutine? <laughs> yeah, poutine's good during the winter, not so great during the summer, just simply because it's bloody hot, you know. <laughs> But uh, I could go for a nice sushi, but, uh, you know, sushi's everywhere, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a fishy subject, but were you affected by the uh, Fiona? Uh, well, we're getting uh, minor bits of fallout from it in Montreal in, in the sense of, like, uh, bits of rain coming and bits of wind, but uh, we weren't in the path of it. Uh, that that was more the Magdalene Islands, and, uh, yeah, my heart goes out to them. Gaspé was uh, also affected a little bit. Yeah, they got they got the fringe of it, but it was enough. When it's a hurricane, the fringes, uh, it's enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no kidding. Well, that's awesome. Uh, thank you for letting us know a little bit about who you are. We're going to move into what I call question period. Uh, what would an interview be without questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> so question number one then is describe what your ideal writing space would look like. And why? 
Uh, normally a mid-sized table with enough space for a laptop, a notebook, and a cup of something, generally coffee. And if the sun is shining, that's okay as long as it doesn't obscure my computer screen. That's pretty general. Well, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, um, say, like, to, to give more specific examples, uh, the kitchen in my apartment is great for that. The library, sometimes. And uh, there's a particular cafe I go to in my neighborhood that's actually quite conducive to writing. So that's kind of qualifies as an ideal writing space. Okay. So you're not obviously affected by noise or around you? Uh, to a certain extent. But um, once I put up with the dog down below, I think I can put up with anything. One of the questions I, I, I like to ask sometimes is uh, what, what's, go, what's going on around you when you're writing. So obviously there could be any number of things going on around you as you're writing that. Oh, for sure. For sure. I uh, could have music playing. If I'm in the cafe, the music could be playing as well. But it's a bit more, if it's subdued, uh, all the better. You know, like so I hear music in the background, but it, it's not really in my ears, so to speak. Right. You know. Um, but sometimes I'll listen to music while I'm doing that. And sometimes, nope, silence, silence. You know, sometimes I need that. Second question. Are you the type of writer who only wants to mm, hear positive uh, critique of your work? No, not exclusively. I mean, I prefer constructive critiques, which can include like positive, negative, or somewhere in between, right? But I consider critiques in general rather like advice, you know? I could, I could take them to harder in part. I could take them and apply them differently from what the critic intended, or I could just dismiss them outright after having considered them, you know? I'll give, give you a case in point. Uh, I, for my last novel, I had a, a beta reading team, and one beta reader had made a clever yet slightly mean criticism. And I thought, oh, that maybe that's veering on negative. But I thought, oh, well, that's, that's a great little criticism. I think I'll incorporate it into my creative writing in a later chapter in the same book. Yeah. <laughs> but I think to take criticism, like, like to take that sort of critique, like within context, one has to, to develop rather a discerning mind and a thick skin and not take it so much to heart. You well, know? you just hit on, on one thing that every writer, uh, regardless of the genre, needs, and that's thick skin. Oh, yeah, uh, that does help. I've noticed in, uh, well, I, I belong to two writing groups uh, online. And in both of them, I see comments like they, they want to share what they have, but they only want positive feedback. And yeah. I think they're being, they're sliding themselves out of a, a more round critique. Well, I mean, uh, for sure, negative critiques can, can either embolden or, or tear down. Um, but I mean, there can be something gained from them as well. But uh, more, I, th- I guess, the positive critiques, if they're encouraging, okay, fine, but not if they're placating, not, not if they're trying to placate you. I, I don't, I don't appreciate that. That's, um, I call that fluff. And yes, yes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like my ears being tickled for the sake of being tickled. Exactly. Okay. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> One of the things I, I put at the beginning of my books is I, I, I do not necessarily write because I have something to say, but because there may be something you need to hear. And mm-hmm. I mean, I've never really cared if anybody liked or disliked what I've written, because that's just an opinion, mm-hmm. right? How it makes you feel, how it moves you, how it makes you think, the actions that, that what I've written, how that affects you is what I'm after. Yeah. No. Well, that's uh, that's fair. 
and again, that goes back to, you know, people, they just want that positive feel good stuff. And uh, let's be real. <laughs> That's uh, me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it can only build you up so much as a writer before you realize that, well, I'm not really going any farther in life than this, am I? You know, like maybe I need something more constructive, you know. <laughs> Tear me down. Build me up. <laughs> um, what started you on your writing journey? Um, if they if they were listening to this podcast, and I really wish they would, um, what would you like to say to them? Uh, well, for sure, if this podcast if this podcast goes up, I will make sure it is redisseminated, <laughs> and she will probably hear this. So, I in terms of that, yeah, no problem. Well, in terms of putting pen to paper, um, I mean, that was like about the 1980s. I don't think there was anyone initially. I just felt like doing it. But in terms of writing a novel, there was one person from my university days who encouraged me uh, enthusiastically at first, and then much strongly later on. Her name is Marla Becking. And hello, Marla. Uh, hello, Marla. <laughs> there have been others, uh, of course, since then who have encouraged me, but Marla was the first. And in terms of what I would like to say to her, two things once more, thank you for all your support down through the years. And when you have the time and energy, you really should start writing again, as I think your creative well is full of ideas. She used to write quite a bit. Okay. So I'm, I'm saying do it again. You know, I'm returning the favor, actually, in a lot of ways. <laughs> yes. And, and, I just lost my words, but yes, I understand exactly what you're saying. It's good to to give back to who gave to you. Hmm. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, if and when you can, you know. Yeah. But at least to remember them, right? So I, I predominantly write poetry, and mm-hmm. although in grade five I was introduced to poetry, it wasn't until grade nine that I was introduced to writing poetry. So uh-huh. Mr. Hollingsworth, who was my teacher at the time. I have no idea if he's still alive or not, but um, he's the one that inspired me to start writing, encouraged me to one day seek to get published and whatnot. <clears throat> and to give back, I recently contacted the high school that I went to and offered to donate a copy of each of my books to the library for other such dreamers. Oh, yes. That they, sounds they like refused. an excellent idea. They refused. Oh, no. Yeah. Can you believe that? No. That that's oh that's, I'm sorry to hear that actually. <laughs> it was disheartening, but I mean I understand. I mean I'm I'm of no great significance in in the writing world, so why would they want me? But at the same time, as I said, I I think it's important for the people of that school who are still going there to know that hey, look, this guy was one of us, and he's yeah, got that's it. ten books. I mean, and that was inspired by a teacher. <laughs> what better well, praise? Well, that, that's that's it right there. It's like, well, okay, wait a minute, who's this guy? But then, you know, later on, if you become more well known, all of a sudden they're like, wait a minute, he went here. Wait, let's. Where's our book? Where's our copy? You know that kind of thing. A pantser, plotzer, or planster. Which do you primarily adhere to in your writing? Try saying those three words ten times fast. Well, uh, um, once was enough. <laughs> well, uh, I consider myself a pantser, but then I alternate with plotter. So I wouldn't say planster because I've never both at the same time. I, I generally tend to write 
whatever I feel like. I'm more of the belief that your words should flow freely from you without excessive structure. And then at some point, you you know, you, you figure, well, it has to be mapped out at some point. Otherwise, you're going to look at the jumble you have in front of you and wonder, what was I thinking? But, you know, or not. Uh, but then, and then, yeah, and it's, it's like, okay, maybe all of this stuff is good. Maybe all of it is usable, but now it's a jumble. I should put it into a structure of some sort. But even if you already have an idea of like how you're going to start the book and how you're going to end it. There may be other ideas for that that come along later that weren't apparent at the beginning. So this is why I say it, I'm not quite a plotter in this sense. Um, it's more about organizing what I have just put out on paper. So that, that's why I'm never the two at the same time. So I can't be, really be a planster. You know? But when it comes to the actual physical writing, you could be a pantser. Um, and for the benefit of those who are listening who maybe not doesn't know what each one of those terms is. A pantser is somebody who just writes by the seat of their pants. Yeah. A plotzer, plotter, plotzer yeah. is somebody who has everything planned out and knows exactly where and what is going to go where and where. And a the other is a combination of the two. <clears throat> so as a pantser, you just write everything and then later you go back and organize it. So like I say, never the two at the same time. Yeah. So not really a planster, but um it's kind of like a, it's my writer's hat and my editor's hat, you know, mm. and uh, I'm very good at editing text. So I figure, okay, great. I'll put that skill to use on my own work. <laughs> now, do you prefer to edit after or as you are currently writing? Yes, a, a little bit of each. Sometimes I'll I'll be writing something and all of a sudden I think, no, that's not really a good word. But then I realize I don't want to get bogged down too much in word choice because I have the idea to spell out. I figure I can always edit a bit later. Okay. You know, um, so a bit, a bit of both, really. I, you know, I've, I've listened to several different authors and, and their theories on how to do things. And of course, everybody's got a theory for their own way of doing things, but sure. uh, some of them are, you know, never edit as you go, finish writing <laughs> and then go back. And yeah. some people say, well, you know, write what you can for that day. And then before you start writing the next day, edit what you wrote the day before. And, mm -hmm. and again, there's many, many different uh, variations on how to and what to do. But, you know, it, I guess it comes down to what you're comfortable with. Well, I think, I think putting out those different perspectives also gives ideas to people who might be starting out for the first time. Like they might be thinking, okay, how do I go about doing this? And maybe in the end, they don't follow any of those other suggestions, but now they have an idea of what other, how other people work. Yeah. Right. And maybe that lends something to how they will work, you know, um, yeah. like, like how they will go about doing it. So it's never a bad thing to get advice about that, I think. And that is part of why I do this podcast. It's, yeah. uh, you know, like I say in the uh, in the intro, I mean, I want to introduce lesser known Canadian authors to the world or whoever's listening. And uh, it'll get there one day, I, I'm sure of it. But is is to also introduce other people's concepts on how to do and and work within the craft. And so what may be good for you may not be good for me. What, you know, and, you know, the, the, the circle goes around. But uh, unless we're not, if we're not hearing it, we're not learning. Well, that's it. I mean, and I think that's part of the process of being a, a, a writer is also trying to figure out works, what works well for you. Mm -hmm. You know, like, are you better off with a computer screen, for example, or maybe a notebook with a pen? Just well, to I, start. I wish. 
<laughs> some people and some people like to have uh, one of those audio transcription things where you know they speak into a microphone and boom it goes on the computer screen you know yeah. or something to that effect uh, we 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 live and learn you know? yes and there's so much wonderful technology out there it's hard to keep up sometimes yeah yeah definitely you know <laughs> uh, and predominantly I, it wasn't until 20 2012 maybe or thereabouts I'd been taking a course through the Hadley School for the Blind called Elements of Poetry. Mm-hmm. And my instructor uh, put it out there. Well, okay, go back and find one of your old poems and edit it. And my first thought was, you edit poetry? I thought it just, as it came out, is is how it was intended to be. <laughs> so I never realized until recently, and I've been writing for 40 years, that you can edit poetry. <laughs> I'm not surprised. <laughs> and and then I went back and looked at some of my poetry and oh yeah, I see what she means now. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's awesome. Yeah, it's uh technology is power, power is learning, learning is improving. Yep, for sure. For sure. What do you consider the hardest part about your writing journal journey? Is it the writing, the publishing or the dreaded marketing well in terms of self-publishing yeah marketing definitely uh the theory of it seems quite straightforward in fact it is uh but the application it's another matter and it's I, i've never been the best self-promoter so you know but it's something i still have to work on so for that reason marketing tends to be the hardest part. Self-publishing, I mean, publishing aspect of it does have its challenges, but I don't really consider it the hardest part. It's a challenge for sure. Um, and then writing, of course, like we just got through talking about that, about, you know, the whole rewriting process and, you know, uh, editing and stuff like that. And, and so it's, um, I consider it that sort of a separate, I mean, like it has its own challenges, I think, you know, <laughs> really its own challenges, but marketing, yeah, definitely, definitely marketing. Well, I guess, who do you write for? Do you write for yourself or um, do you have a certain vision of where or who is going to be reading what you want? And uh, I guess basically, do you write for profit or do you write for the joy of writing? I write for the joy of writing in in the sense that I have a story. He says hesitantly. (laughs) Um, okay well um i mean you know i've got stories and anecdotes in me and i figure okay i'd like to put these out at some point Uh, i think it was sylvia plath that once said nothing stinks worse than a pile of unpublished writing well think of how that smells when it's inside the head anyway also there's kind of the other extreme of it that i don't expect to get readily famous even if i do promote myself a lot um but if i i figure if something i write manages to touch one person out God knows where and helps them with something, then I think, I, I think that's kind of, it's an unintended consequence, but a very good one. Okay. So let me, let me rephrase the question then. Okay. Um, what gives you the greatest satisfaction about your writing? Is it touching one person or is it making that dollar? Yeah, well, if I made if I made if I made money off of this, it actually would be pretty good. Um, I think the un- touching one person thing is again, it's not really something I can really predict. No, that is going to happen, but it's it's pleasant when it does happen. Oh, I don't know. 
that's difficult to answer. That's why I asked it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, <Sorry>. uh, <laughs> one of my one of my little sayings, and and, and people in my my writing group, which you're one of, um, has heard me or read me say this quite a bit: is uh, I do not write for profit; I profit from writing. It's good. Yeah, I I like that saying. I like that very much. Well, you can run with it. I don't own it. Okay, then. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's that's the joy of that's the whole thing for me, right? Is if I make a dollar, great. But that's not really what I'm after. Well, there you go. That's uh, yeah. I'm very much the same. Excellent. Good. Like-minded people are good. <laughs> uh, how many how many writing projects do you have on the go at any one time? Okay, historically, minimum two, maximum six. Oh, seriously. Yeah, well, once upon a time, uh, I'm kind of getting into the publication aspect of it, but when my uh, first novel was once three different novels in progress, technically I had three works on the go, and I had a collection of short stories on the go, and I had two other novels in progress that I'd started in more or less outline form. So technically, that was the maximum of six. Minimum of two is right now, basically. Okay, but- so you have on the go, but how many do you dedicate yourself to at any one time? Uh, oh boy. Uh, well, before the first novel came out, I'd actually had three dedicated. I, I was dedicated to three at that, at that point before I realized, no, I've got to concentrate on one. Did you, you ever know? get lost in the process? Um, well, uh, to translate ex- an expression from French, I lost time. Let's put it that way. Um, so I didn't get lost in it, but I did lose time uh, not focusing on one, you know. So that's something I eventually had to do because I thought, well, the first novel will never get it. Second novel will never get out of the first novel doesn't, you know. Now, we I've already asked this in earlier question, but I'll ask it again and see if you maybe have a, a change of heart in your answer. But what is going on around you when you sit down to write? Is there music playing or a dog or a cat nearby, uh, a Newton's cradle cradling? Okay. Well, I mean, if I'm at the library or sometimes when I'm at home, there's silence. uh, Or because I'm in an urban environment, of course, I can hear the din in the background, which doesn't really bother me. I've tuned it out, but I recognize that it's there. Uh, like I said before, on occasion, the little neighbor, the neighbor's little dog downstairs barks at a leaf falling to the ground three buildings down the street where the children she's seen thousands of times, but I've more or less learned to ignore that. Just, so by and large, it could be either music or silence. So that's usually what's going around, going on around me while I'm writing. Okay. A lot of people have asked me, what's a, a Newton's cradle? Um <laughs> And it's just one of those, you know, what is it? Seven balls that clack back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 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 You're right. (laughs) Okay. Good. (laughs) I actually wrote a whole short story about something called Newton's cradle. So I'm glad I got the right. I I hope you like flying, Ken. Do you like flying? I like flying. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't have a fear of it. That's for sure. Okay. Well, if I showed up in a time machine in front of your house or your residence, and I screamed out, hey, Ken, get in. Let's go. Where are we going and when and why? Ooh, yeah, that's a good question right there. Oh, boy. Um, that's my surprise question. You you <laughs> didn't have any idea this one was coming. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Um, well, I mean, given my recent thoughts about things, I probably 
want to be transported to probably post-war UK, just after the the end of World War II, that is, uh, for people who don't know, uh, to meet my paternal grandfather, actually, because oh. I didn't know him until after anything about him until after he died. Um, okay. So it's, uh, it's a bit of a complicated family history in this case here, but I've, I've heard, I'd heard a lot about him and I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind getting him while he was relatively in his prime. And, you know, I don't know what I'd say to him, but I think it might be nice to meet him. <laughs> so that goes back to your genealogy stuff that you're doing then. Yeah, well, that's one of the things that started on me on my, uh, started me on my genealogical, um, uh, quest, so to speak. Okay. Is this more than a hobby for you? Um, yeah, well, enough that I took a course, uh, like a, a just a basic course, uh, last year online and I'm trying to work towards professional status at this point. Oh, so, wow. but I've been doing a lot of this stuff for years just with my own and with certain members of my family. So, a lot of it was stuff that I knew already, you know. I I was trying to uh, do that for my own family, but because of my eye limitations, it just it was more headache than anything else. Mm-hmm. Simply because reading is is very difficult for me, and a lot of the documents and stuff like that aren't you know transferable into audio or whatever. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'd love to. Um, I'd love to trace back my biological side of the family um because at one point we were scottish and their um you know graham of montrose is 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 my lineage whatever oh, okay. yeah and uh but somewhere uh it went from scotland to ireland and then back to scotland but there's no trace of the ireland roots yeah now that 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 time in that place can be a bit difficult, um, depending on the depending on the uh, uh, the time period you're operating out of. I mean, I got lucky in that case when it came to the McMurrays because basically um, I already had uh, another writer and genealogist within the family uh, on the prairies, so uh, I was able to basically. Well, it wasn't me exclusively, but people in my family in BC were able to take up from that person and basically run with it. So. Have you ever uh, considered incorporating some of your research into writing projects? Well, um, I, like historical I, fiction or? Uh, well, I've already done that in some of my, uh, like in, in the first two novels, there's already indication of uh, genealogy in there. Um, okay. And it's like selected bits of my rather vast growing family at this point uh, that are sort of, you know, plugged in here and there. So um, it, is that something it, that the reader would see or? Are you leaving that open for speculation? Oh no, I'm, I, I pretty much stated it in okay. one of the chapters of my first book, and in, and for the second book, uh, the guy just basically relied on his grandmother for information, and then his grandmother passes away. So it's like, well, he gets a bunch more information. So there's an interest in there that kind of reflects my interest. You know, okay. I might want to talk to you about genealogical stuff, but okay. We're going to move into part two here, and uh, which I call shameless plugging. Uh, it seems to be a favorite part of a lot of the people that I interview. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is uh, this is the part where you get to um, plug your work, um, which is, you know, part of why we're doing this. Yeah. Um, so, question number one then is: What works do you currently have? in publication 
plug away. <laughs> okay. Well, my first novel is Boomerangs and Square Pegs, and that's available in virtual form on smashwords.com and in print via my website, but there are only four copies left. Okay. I had that printed up at the beginning, beginning of January, uh, sorry, beginning of 2021. And uh, I ordered, I initially ordered 30, 30 copies and sold a bunch of them, but there are only four left. Um, my second novel is called Let's, Then Let's Keep Dancing. Okay. And it's also available in smashers.com, but no print edition yet because I don't have any money to publish for the moment. So I have to wait. Honesty. I love it. <laughs> And, and also, I do have a chapbook that I printed years ago called The Visit, uh, but it's also available through my website. But I would probably generally include it with the novel, uh, the first novel, Boomerangs and Square Pegs. Okay. So uh, because it's just it would cost a bit more to send it out by post than it would the actual cost of the thing. So I figured eh, it's not worth it, you know. Fair enough. Um, do you currently have anything that you're working on? And if so, how close to is it? How close is it to being complete? Okay. Well, I'm working on my third novel right now uh, called Photos and Designs. Yes. I have a tendency to choose rather bland titles, but it's due to be completed, uh, completed by July, 2023. I'm also working on a collection of short stories, but this is something I work on occasionally. No release date for that yet. Okay. And this is one of those many projects that you've got on the go. This is the minimum two that I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> At least you can keep track of them that way. Yeah, it's better that way. Well, yeah, but I am concentrating mainly on the next novel. So, you know, it's just, I'll take, I'll take ideas and incorporate them into the collection of short stories as they come up, but I don't stress about that. Fair enough. Uh, is there one of your books in which you are more particularly fond of and why? Oh, it sounds like, it sounds like I'm starting to play favorites here. Hmm, don't know. Um, which is your favorite kid? <laughs> yeah. And being, being the, being the eldest of two children and being the fact that I only have two books out at the moment, I know what that feels like. Um, <laughs> so I'd, I'd probably have to say boomerangs and square pegs. Uh, but the fondest is probably more for the characters than the overall book. Uh, I think is it there tends to be fairly character driven. And uh, a lot of these characters were originally in their own novels and own, their their own short stories before I merged them all together. So, um, yeah, I'd have to say for that reason, uh, it's more about the characters okay. than anything else. Yeah, that's that's the safest answer I've heard. <laughs> uh, and lastly, um, where can people connect with you? Uh, things like. Uh, email websites nail mail blog meta formerly facebook uh tiktok instagram i could go on <laughs> okay well i have an author's email uh that's kh mcmurray all one word at gmail.com i have a website and blog uh kh mcmurray.ca that's on wordpress so if typing it in gets gets you a 404 error just go to whatever search engine and type kh mcmurray wordpress there you go um on meta slash facebook i have a personal profile ken mcmurray i also have an author's page kh mcmurray comma author and instagram is just kh mcmurray all one word i'm sensing a a, a trend there yep <laughs> There's a bit of marketing in that particular name. Finally, do you have any advice or words of wisdom to share with would-be or emerging authors? Okay. First of all, 
write what you like to read. This makes the editing process much easier and less painful. Remember, writing is rewriting. Second, anything is potential material for written work. Don't be too rushed to toss away an idea to everything. There is a reason, even if it is not apparent at first. And whatever you are waylaid by criticism, just remember the words of the late Jack Layton. Don't let them tell you it can't be done. Ah, <laughs> wonderful. Ken, thank you very much for agreeing to do this. Uh, we've been trying to get this done for I don't know how long, and uh, but finally we were able to find the right time and place to do it. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. You have been listening to Between the Lines. In future episodes, I will not only be speaking with Canadian authors and writers, I will also be speaking with those from the other side of the writing industry, editors, agents, and publishers, in the hopes of getting a better understanding of how it all works together. If you liked what you heard, hit the subscribe button to be notified of new episodes and content. Send all your comments, suggestions, or any questions you'd like to have a guest answer to me at randy.dplpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to visit me at www.therandylacy.ca. While there, look for the Buy Me a Coffee button to help support the podcast. Thank you for your time and your ears. Tune in, be inspired, and write on.